Our subject for consideration at this time are the words of Christ, wherein He said, I have made a man every whit whole. Our text is found in the Gospel of John, chapter 7, verse 23. We read, If a man on the Sabbath day receives circumcision that the law of Moses should not be broken, are ye angry at me because I have made a man every whit whole? The Lord puts this question to the censorious Jews who knew the letter of the law but was utterly oblivious to the spirit of the law. The text is a reference to the lame man Christ healed at the pool of Bethesda and is recorded in the fifth chapter of John. The man had been lame for 38 years. Christ asked the impotent man, Wilt thou be made whole? The lame man's answer to our Lord's question was one in which he owned his utter inability to do anything whatsoever to help himself. Then our Lord answers and says unto him, Unto him, Rise, take up thy bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole. Wilt thou be made whole? Actually, the man's answer to that question was, by paraphrase, As far as I am concerned, that is an impossibility. Spiritual, in other words, he is speaking for all the spiritual sons of Adam. As they, when they fell in Adam, they become spiritually, utterly impotent to do anything pleasing unto God. However, I have often heard people say, nothing is impossible. They who say that should try to go back to a place they have never been, or try to sit down in their own lap, or try to unring a bell. The Bible does not say, nothing is impossible. But what the Bible does say is, the things which are impossible with men, are possible with God. With God, nothing shall be impossible. Luke chapter 18 and verse 27. Luke 1 and verse 37. One of the things impossible to man is beyond the scope of his ability is the making of himself every whit whole. But this poses no problem whatsoever for the God of the Bible. For with him all things are possible. And in his sovereign good pleasure, he will raise up from the spiritual deathbed all who trust him and make them every whit whole. With the God of the Bible, there is no difficulty. There are no problems. Everything contrary to his will is alien to him. I read that the time is soon when head transplants will be performed by man. And God knows man needs a new head. Two years ago, the first threefold organ transplant was made, that is, of the heart, the lung, and the kidney. Man may someday give man a different head, but it is impossible with man to give man a new mind. Man may give man a different heart, but only God can give him a new heart. Preachers are forevermore crying out to their unsuspecting hearers, saying, Give your heart to Christ. God does not want man's heart, for man's heart, as he is in nature, is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Jeremiah 17, verse 9. But what the Lord does want for his people is a new heart, and he says to them, A new heart also will I give you. I will take the stony heart out of your flesh. Ezekiel 36, verse 26. 
Heaven's cardiologist performs heart transplants on all of his people, and they are made every whit whole. The Armenian preacher says to fallen man, Make up your mind today. Decide for Christ. Choose Him to be your Savior, Savior before it is too late. But what the poor preacher does not know is, fallen man has already made up his mind, and it is expressed in Scripture with these words, We will not have this man, that is Christ, to reign over us. Luke 19, 14. Paul says, The carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Romans 8, verse 7. The natural mind, be it ever so learned, can never agree with one word of the blessed book of God. Medical transplantation, moral reformation, and mental education are all beneficial to man in this life. But none of these or all of them together can make or help to make a man altogether whole. It is possible that all of these human achievements could be detrimental to man, and that is, if he claims merit before God because of them. Man can develop his moral and intellectual faculties by reformation, by education, and by, we might say, his efforts to do good according to the law. But reformation and education, apart from spiritual regeneration, has never, ever received God's approbation. Education being alone can never help to acquaint man with God. Paul was highly educated and the ultimate moralist, and these things helped him to profit in the Jews' religion. But he learned later that his religion, the Jewish religion, was a religion of the flesh. And that, brother and sister, the flesh profiteth nothing. John six sixty three. Paul said to the Colossian church, Speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you are complete, that is, made whole, are entire in him, which is the head of all principality and power. And Christ said, Matthew 9, verse 12, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Matthew 9, 12, and verse 13. A person can have cancer and not know it until it is too late. A man can be terminally ill with the sickness of sin and not know it until he, like the rich man of Luke 16, wakes up in hell. No doubt the rich man of Luke 16, ere he reached the flaming pits of hell, thought he was all right, thought he was every whit whole. But he was deceived. The devil had deceived his heart and mind. I have had people say to me, when I quit drinking, I will start going to church. That makes as bad as much sense as a person with bursted appendix saying, as soon as I get well, I am going to the hospital. Hospitals are for the physically sick. And this church and all of the Lord's churches are for the spiritually sick. And especially is this message, the message of this church, for those whose sin sickness is unto eternal death. When Christ asked the lame man, Wilt thou be made whole? He is with this question, saying to the man, you are helplessly incomplete, and all your effort to alter your state is but an exercise in, you, in futility. And thus it is with all who are outside of Christ. No matter their morality, 
are their effort in spiritual things. They are but exercising vanity. The first and essential thing in getting help is to realize help is needed. Without realizing this, a person's state can only grow worse and worse. If you are traveling and get on the wrong road and you do not know you are on the wrong road, you will cruise right along thinking you are making great progress, while all the time and with every mile you are compounding your error. If after realizing you are lost you do not stop and ask for directions, you deserve to be lost. Some people too proud to own the fact that they made a wrong turn keep going on and on. So it is with man. He made a wrong turn in Eden and has been on the wrong road ever since. The Bible says there is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Our Lord admonished, admonished man, said, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way, that leadeth unto destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. But straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, that leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Christ said, For the Son of Man is come to seek, and to save that which was lost. Luke 19.10 Christ saves the lost by showing them the way. And he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. John 14, verse 6. He says to his people, Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free or make you whole. John 8, verse 32. Beloved, in 2 Corinthians 9, 2 Corinthians 1, verses 9 and 10, we read, but we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raiseth the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and doeth deliver, in whom we trust that he shall yet deliver. Notice the term deliver, delivered, deliver, and deliver. These verbs are used in three tenses. They are used to refer to the past tense, to the present tense, and to the future tense. Paul says, We had the sentence of death in us, which totally disabled us spiritually. So we turn to God, who delivered us from so great a death, is now conforming us to the image of Christ, and will in due season crown our bodies with the suit of immortality. When we shall be then made every whit whole in body, in soul, and in spirit. I might say, man was made, unmade, and remade. But it is more correct to say, when speaking of God's people, man was formed, deformed, and transformed. No person is every whit whole apart from the transforming power of Jesus Christ. The Bible says, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save, or make his people every whit whole from their sins. There was a man by the name of Nicodemus who thought that he was every whit whole, but who was at the time unaware of it every bit as helpless as the lame man at the pool of Bethesda. Nicodemus thought he was complete, every whit whole. Jesus said to this man of nobility, social status, and learning, ye must be born again. Simply, Christ says you are utterly incomplete and there must you must be made over or made every whit whole. There was a rich young ruler who thought that he was absolutely complete. He came running to Jesus and bowed down. 
and said, Master, what good thing shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Christ said, If you would be perfect, go and sell what thou hast and give to the poor, and come and take up thy cross and follow me. Christ said to the young man, One thing thou lackest. Christ revealed to him his covetous heart, and he went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. Saul of Tarsus, who later became the Apostle Paul, thought he was every whit whole, for he says, As touching the righteousness which is in the law, I was blameless. Philippians 3 and verse 6. But Jesus said to him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Christ, beloved, has the only righteousness that is acceptable unto God, that is, which avails before him. Jesus said to that gracious woman, Martha, 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 thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. Too occupied with the things of this life, and that to the neglect of sitting at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ and learning of him. For the next few minutes, let us consider man formed, deformed, and transformed, or we might say, whole, unwhole, and every whit whole. First let us note, man formed. And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Man is a tripart being. He is constituted of body, soul, and spirit. In his body, he has a relationship to this earth. In his soul, he has a relationship to animal life. But in his spirit, there is a relation to God. As far back as I can remember, I have never questioned my origin. I knew God formed man. Therefore, where I came from never ever gave me much weary. But when I considered where I was going, it became the means of severe mental anguish. This did not cease to weary me until the very moment God spoke to me in Greece, calmed my fears, and made me hope. In Genesis 2.19 we read, Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air. And then in Amos 7.1 we read, He hath formed the grasshoppers. Beloved, you and I came from the same earth that the obnoxious grasshopper and the frog came from. That should do a little something to deflate our pride. Man with his genius can build a spaceship and reach the moon. He can build a submarine and explore the ocean floor. He can build a computer so sophisticated that it comes near to making books and research obsolete. Man can transplant certain body organs, but he cannot form a grasshopper, much less a man. Poor, helpless man cannot unscramble an egg nor order his steps upon this earth. God says to the intellectual elite among men, As thou knowest not what is the way of the Spirit, nor how the bones did grow in the womb of her that is with child, even so thou knowest not the works of God, who maketh all. He said unto Jeremiah, the Almighty, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. The world's largest library could not contain the books which could be written concerning the, thing, the things man does not know. Man is ever learning, but never ever able, that is intellectually, come to the truth as it is in Christ. Beloved, the Bible says so emphatically, the world by wisdom, that is the consummate wisdom of the world, knew not God. But the real controversy in Christendom is not who formed man. The big argument centers around the question, for whose glory was man formed? 
for his own glory or for God's glory? Well, we have the answer from Scripture. In Isaiah 42, 8, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another. Creature merit is a subtle attempt to steal God's glory. Isaiah 43, verse 7, For I have created him for my glory. I have formed him. Yea, I have made him. These two verses of Scripture should be a mouth stopper to all who claim any merit in the flesh before God. This is Paul says, He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. And then he said, God forbid that I should glory in anything save the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our first ancestor, Adam, failed. And now we read, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Infinitely short. Utterly short. Every man, no matter his station in life, if he is yet unsaved, is seeking his own glory. And his self-seeking is indisputable evidence of his defilement. Yea, it says plainly, I was once formed by God, but now I am utterly deformed. Man by nature is not only spiritually uninformed, but all of his faculties are every whit and uniformly against God. 1 Corinthians 2:14. Let us note man is deformed. The Bible says the whole head is sick and the heart is faint. Jeremiah 2:21. I read, I had planted thee a noble vine, holy a right seed. How then art thou turned into the degenerate plant of a strange vine unto me? This is spoken to the backsliding nation of Israel. But it is individually applicable to all men as they stood in Adam. In Ecclesiastes 7.29 we read, Lo, this only have I found, that God hath made man upright, but they have sought out many invention. That is, exercise of their depraved intellect has brought forth many religious innovations which are contrary to holy writ. There is no creature more utterly deformed than man. Someone might question that statement by asking, what about the devil and the fallen angels? Well, that is a very good question. And I will not argue the point for a moment. For what comfort a person gets out of being second to the devil and evil, I surely will allow it. But I would ask, did you ever read in Scripture where a fallen angel was extended a gospel invitation and rejected it? There has never been extended to fallen angels a gospel invitation, nor shall there ever be. So we do not know what they would do. But man says, Who is the Lord? That I should obey his voice. I know not the Lord. I don't believe, they say, man, in this pie in the sky by and by. I want my pie here and now, and I am going to get it somehow. Man is deformed in all of his faculties, perverse in every thought, and averse to all that is holy. Scripture, their conscience being weak, is defiled. Their mind is defiled. They are all gone out of the way. There is none that seeketh after God. And the psalmist said, Verily every man at his best state is altogether vanity. And surely man at his best state is while as yet he is in the womb of his mother. And there the Bible says he is altogether vanity. Then we read, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, 
that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Beloved, if we would read the statistics concerning crime in our beloved America, homicides, rape, robbery, divorces, drug addiction, ETC, we would be alarmed, terribly alarmed. All this points up the deformity of the human race. The crime rate is increasing so fast the statisticians cannot keep up-to-date records. The statistics I just, well, that I have just mentioned referring to the crime in America, the figures will be all larger next week or even tomorrow. All these abominations have the men of the land done which were before you, and the land is defiled. Job said, I am vile. David said, Verily every man at his best state is altogether vanity, or every whit vanity. Isaiah said, Woe is me, for I am a man undone. Jeremiah said, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Peter said, I am a sinful man, O Lord. Paul said, For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. The Lord Jesus Christ said, All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. Because of this spiritual deformity, Christ says, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. John six forty four. Now, if you want to argue against this infallible testimony, that is strictly your business. The Pharisees of Christ's day argued, and he replied, I tell you nay, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Paul anticipated objections to the arguments of God's sovereignty and man's depravity, and Paul answers with the same word Christ used. Nay, but, O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Beloved, let us keep the biblical distinction between the sovereign potter and the lifeless clay. Christ did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance that is, deformed people. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Christ said, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick, they that are utterly deformed. Lost friend, you are sick unto death. Your sin cancer is terminal. You are deformed, bent under the weight of sin. You need, urgently and desperately, the great physician to make you every whit whole. All I can do by preaching is to take a scriptural x-ray and show it to you. But our God, he can give you a new heart. Then talk about being transformed. We read in Romans 12, 1, 12, 2, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Churches have a lot of dedication and confirmation. Catholics and Jehovah Witnesses are dedicated to, are dedicated to their churches. Lutherans have confirmation services quite frequently. But confirmation and dedication without Holy Spirit transformation ends in eternal degradation. Being saved is not merely being reformed, wherein we regain that once glorious state Adam enjoyed in innocence ere he sinned. No, transformation is far more than that. Transfer transformation makes the subject every whit whole, enabling him to prove and perform the perfect will of God. Beloved transformation gets rid of all condemnation. 
for there is no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit does no work short of perfection. So we can say transformation is inclusive of regeneration, justification, sanctification, culminating in perfect and absolute glorification. One of the dictionary meanings of the word transform is to change in compositional structure, to change a thing into a different thing. In light of this, we remind you of Paul's question, who maketh thee to differ from another? 1 Corinthians 4, 7. We know the answer. It is God that brings about the change and makes the difference. And the difference is so great that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Admitted, we have not fully realized the fruit of Christ's transforming grace. For in this body we yet groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. But bless God, I assure you, if you have trusted in Christ, that one day you will experience this glorious transformation and will sit at the feet of Christ, dressed up in the white robes of His righteousness. In 1 John 3 and verse 2 we read, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Bless God, not as he was, a Jew of low esteem and subject to the vicious and wicked hands of depraved men. No, but as he is, the king of glory. Thus it is, we see him, beloved, sitting at the right hand of God, exalted in power. Then again we read, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, like him, holy, harmless, undefiled, and separate from sinners, and made higher than the angels. Hebrews 7, verse 26. Beloved, those words, Hebrews 7, 26, spells every whit whole. And then in Romans 8, verse 29, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Conformed to the image of his Son. Beloved, that's ultimate transformation, that is, unto the likeness of Christ. Somebody may be saying to themselves, I have gone too far. God's transforming power can never reach me. I am too big of a sinner. We agree with you. You are too big of a sinner. Everybody is. But you could never be farther from the truth than saying God's transforming power cannot reach you. Hebrews 7 and verse 25. Wherefore, he is able to save them from the, from the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. God's transforming power reaches even unto the lowest hell. For the psalmist said, He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. May God bless you richly in His favor.